Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's edition of the show, I'm talking to the director of Chicken Run, colon, Dawn of the Nugget, Sam Fell. Uh, I, I, just before we get into the interview, I love Chicken Run. It's one of my favourite films of all time and I was so excited when they announced the sequel and then I was so excited to see the sequel. <laughs> and now I was I was also just as excited to talk to the director, uh, Sam Fell, about making uh, the sequel. It's a really good time. And, and Ardman do put so much care and uh, attention and passion into their work. It's uh, it's always nice. It's a treat to, to see these films on the big screen. They don't make a lot of films because it takes a long time to, to make something like this with stop motion animation. And uh, it's always a treat to watch these films. So... That's enough waffle from me. Uh, the gang is back. We've got Ginger, we've got Rocky, we've got Babs. Oh my God, I love Babs so much. And uh, and there's loads of new characters uh, in this film too. And the film is in cinemas this week from Friday the 8th of December and will be on Netflix uh, in a few weeks' time, I think just in time for the holidays. So there's lots of opportunities to see Chicken Run. If you can see it on a big screen, would recommend that. Uh, but without further ado, here is my chat with a fellow Sam, Sam Fell. Uh, director of Chicken Run, colon, Dawn of the Nugget. Huh? Come on, <laughs> let's play! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> There's something strange about this place. Behold, the dawn of the Nugget. <gasps> Last time we broke out of a chicken farm. Well, this time... We're breaking in. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the Picturehouse podcast. Thank you very much for joining us in the uh, in the lead up to Chicken Run being released or hatched um, <laughs> in cinemas <laughs> and, and on the small screen later in the year as well. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. A real pleasure. And it's really nice to have a new Ardman film out in the world. You know, I feel like it's always, a, you know, because these films take, all films do, but I feel like Ardman films, especially, a lot of time and energy and effort goes into making them. So when there is a new Ardman film, uh, it's always a point of celebration uh, there. So yeah, really, really excited to have this. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, each one is, you know, unique. It's, you know, handcrafted, really, you know, and it's, it's, a reasonable size but it's not a really big studio you know the the capacity's there to make one at a time and the time in between or overlapping is spent making sure that it's worth making as well you know like even in development and in story like nothing really gets green lit you know until it feels like cooked and ready so yeah they do you know it's a it's a fantastic body of work i think it, you know, it represents, I mean, it's all of this century, you know, but you can go back through the 90s and into the 80s for the half hour, Wallace and Gromit's. And um, yeah, I'm really proud to to be sort of part of that wider, larger body of work, you know, and to be part of the Ardman story, actually, you know, which in itself is a an amazing thing, a, a, an independent British movie studio. Pretty good pretty good going you know they've been going 40 years and flying the flag for you know British craft British filmmaking you know a, a modern day Ealing Studios in some ways I think or the you know the the successor to that so yeah I'm really I uh, always always love to be involved with them 
Oh, that's a, that's such a nice way to put it there. But yeah, I feel like there's, especially for a British audience, there's such a special bond uh, with Aardman. I think through the mm -hmm. television work that a lot of us got to see growing up and, you know, uh, a new Wallace and Gromit at Christmas, for example, or, or, or that sort of stuff. But I guess Chicken Run was when Aardman went feature length, you know, back with the first film. So, uh, so it's kind of nice that Chicken Run is, is, is sort of back on the cards and, and this sequel has come, I don't know, I guess it's like over 20 years after the original. 23 years later yes yes yeah well what can i say i mean it's it's um yeah i think it's definitely it's a national treasure in some way you know and um certainly the first movie was an enormous milestone for the studio absolutely huge uh, deal to kind of to go from making half hours into making feature films for for you know hollywood players like steven spielberg and jeffrey katzenberg was was immense you know in the the, the Studios grown gradually and always grow, you know, grew organically and gradually. But this was a big bump up, and they just, I mean, for Pete and Nick, you know, it was uh, personally just a gigantic milestone for them as filmmakers to to kind of get to, you know, make a movie on the world stage in that way, you know, for the big screen for big theatrical release, and for the studio, they had to, they just literally didn't have the animators or the model makers or the space or the equipment or anything they had to in one bound train new animators they you know they had a training course they had training prop makers set designers you know set dressers the whole thing was just this huge gearing up i was around at the time mm. i began there in the early 90s around about 91 i first met them and they got me in i'd made a stop motion short film which had you know won a few prizes and was around and there wasn't that many stop motion people back then really relatively speaking so I was around the studio and I was growing as a animator and then as a director through the 90s and I, I saw all this going on so they started in about 96 gearing up and it was an amazing thing to see it was definitely the studio's focus um, personally I was directing by then and so I kept slightly off to the side and carried on you know developing my sort of directing work but uh i did see what it took to kind of get up there you know and it and they always said it was like building the great pyramid or something <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's uh i mean that's why i think chicken run is this enduring classic because it it did push boundaries it was done in such a way where it was accessible to audiences of all ages but uh, you know mm. had it, it was it was it was a big screen picture the sets are incredible you know yeah. and, and all of the characters there it has a cast of thousands um, yeah, you know yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But... yeah i mean just the, just the craft alone i mean you watch it now it's so well crafted and they were really pushing their gut themselves you know to, because they didn't know how it would really work on the big screen the wallace and gromits had been for the smaller screen you know the home screen if you like and so they really pushed the craft it's so brilliantly crafted alone i think the fact it's based on the you know it was the great escape with chickens was the great escape already is just such a fabulous film you know and just such a brilliant and that's a hollywood movie it's kind of a british movie you know like it had great sort of british stars in it you know and it was the perfect crossover culturally of Britain and America, you know, because you had Steve McQueen, but you had Richard Attenborough, Donald Pleasance, you know, and just the whole story was such a great thing to build on. But then with chickens, it, it, to give it that comic twist, and then, and you know, and yeah, and I think there's a there's a recipe I think in the first one as well, which is 
you know, they didn't talk down to audiences. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about animation not being just for kids and it being a, a you know a proper medium to tell any story in. And they they that movie I think has quite a dark dramatic side to it. You know, and a very big universal theme. You know, theme freedom. You know, life or death. And and yeah, it's very funny as well, you know, just this amazing recipe of like very dramatic, but also very light and funny. And they really walked that line brilliantly, I thought, you know, and so for me, that's it. That's the, the reason for me why it's so successful. It's brilliantly crafted and this truly for all, all generation, you know, multi-generational story, you know, and, 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 you know, as I say, that brilliant mixture of light and shade kind of unique you know in this in this way yeah yeah absolutely and i think when the sequel was sort of first announced i think everyone was quite excited but also it didn't feel like it was that long since the original because uh i think especially for people in the uk it's something that has like lingered in the public consciousness so it's like oh well, that's cool and then you realize it's actually been 23 years and and, and that's kind of mind-blowing but i i did wonder I, you know just as as you know filmmakers and and the team at Ardman where did the story for where did the, the idea of doing a sequel come from and you know w when did you know it was right okay this is the right story this is the right direction for this it's a beloved uh you know these characters are beloved and and we probably you know need to bear that in mind if we if we bring them back we need to bring them back for the right reasons yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because it, it, it was a very long time ago actually and but you're absolutely right i think it's been ever present either on old VHS copies, DVDs, or in the home somehow, or on TV. Mm. It, it does, People are surprised, actually, about how long ago it was when it was done, you know, because I think you're right. People feel like it's, has a, it's a current, it has a currency to it, you know, and a lot of people have an ownership of it, I feel, you know, I've discovered, really, as I've been making it. So many people feel like it's part of their growing up you know or a part of their, their lives you know so there's a there's there's you know time passes you know i mean this is the thing i think as i say it's not a studio that that does multiple movies at a time you know it really is one at a time they felt i mean i wasn't there but you know i know peter nick felt that they'd really completed the story very well at the end of the first movie it was very complete ending very final they didn't know what the sequel was. They hadn't had time to prepare. They'd spent all of their effort in making that one. So they weren't, they hadn't been cooking up another one as they were doing that one. So, and, you know, DreamWorks were like, well, okay, that one, well, where's the sequel? And they were like, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Get back to you on that one. But meanwhile, Nick wants to make well, the Were Rabbit, you know. So actually, the Were Rabbit was probably was the one that was in development. You know, uh, that one was kind of closer to ready, and I was lucky to be there in the right place at the right time with my idea flushed away, as well, and managed to kind of like pitch that at the end of Chicken Runs. And the Dreamers were definitely happy, and were looking for more. And also, I think the other thing is that that sequels weren't really a thing back then, particularly. You know, and in the nineties, sequels were more of a kind of a straight to DVD spin off mm -hmm. type affair. I mean, Toy Story 2 is probably the only significant sequel that had really proved, you know, proved itself as a, as a on its own terms, you know. But uh, so, yeah, they weren't in a hurry. And then I think as time went on, then, yeah, you know, probably 
that were aware of that pressure, you know, to kind of like get it right. And so then they had many meetings and it's surprising how difficult it is to, you know, crack open something that finished so well. So, so yeah, I think around about 2016, 15, Kerry Kirkpatrick, Pick and Nick, Pick, Nick and Pete met. Kerry's the original writer. And they came up with this log line, this time they're breaking in, you know, <clears> which is like a, it promises a new type of movie and it sort of promises like the uh, action adventure, fun, comedy, you know, like the ingenuity of Ardman doing a heist type thing, you know, like the, there's so much ingenuity in Ardman in general, the props, the kind of like clever tricks, the visual humour, it, it seemed to promise all that. You take out Tom Cruise, you put in Babs <laughs> instead. <laughs> it's funny. It's chicken impossible. And so there was that whole notion. And then also around that, the other thing was like, well, what are they going to break in for? You know, because like they, they don't like money chickens, you know, they're, they're not like thieves. So they needed something valuable that was inside that they needed to get out. And, and actually... Parallel to that thinking was there was a the notion of giving Rocky and Ginger a kid, you know, and like making it the next chapter of their relationship, you know. So it's the romantic comedy of the first movie, the sparky, mismatched, you know, serious British girl meets the kind of playboy rooster. They move on now. They've got a kid, and then and that and that was it was interesting because there was a kid character called Nobby in the first movie. And he's a great little character, but he got cut. And I think I think it was for tar screen time reasons, because it was such a significant character. It just needed a big it needed more story time, you know, than they had to, to play. So I think it was a an editorial choice. But they always loved Nobby. And so so yeah, the when I came along, the draft was it was a father-son story. It was there were parents, there was a boy called Nobby, Rocky was the dad. Actually, Ginger got captured and taken and locked inside and brainwashed. And Rocky and Nobby had to kind of like muster their voice and break in. So it was all there. And so that was already promising, you know, and and that's what we worked on. That's when I came along, it was like that, and we worked on that for a while. And then really the only major shift from when I was there was that we realized that that by then that we were missing a trick we were missing not just a trick but we were missing like the heart of the movie really because we came to realize in this that actually how important Ginger was as a character in to the first movie and actually to the kind of the DNA and why Chicken Runs Beloved so much you know and that that, that a strong female protagonist like that at that time, I mean, you know, she wasn't the very first strong female protagonist, but actually quite unique, actually, and quite a thing, quite a um, a, a special thing, you know, that that, that we we kind of got we'd lost, uh, and so that's when we shifted to make it a mother. You know, think about Ginger, much more about her movie. What's it like to for her to be a mother? This great freedom fighting hero. Let's give it. What's the challenge for her specifically? Give her a daughter, who's like like a chick off the old block that's kind of like her. Mm. And so, what a challenge would that be? You know, because Ginger's like, here's freedom. You know, I've I've won freedom, and here it is, Molly. 
and you're gonna live in it forever. <laughs> and Molly's grows up and she's like, ah, this doesn't feel like freedom to me. I've got a different idea about freedom, you know? I've got my own ideas and like that clash and that conflict. And then that's when we flew, that's when we switched because we had also Dr. Fry was our main villain originally. And that was when we were like, well, hang on. I mean, really bring up, let's bring back Mrs. Tweedy, you know, <laughs> we were already, it was already big, it was already feeling that. And it takes a while in these, the, the process, but it was like, think about Ripley and aliens, you know, like just how traumatized she was by the alien and how she just absolutely at the beginning of that, she's having nightmares. And at the beginning of that movie, she's, she doesn't want to go back down to the planet. She refuses. She's like, no thanks, you know, but yet she has to go out and as does Ginger, you know, they, they have to go back out face their deepest, darkest fear, conquer it and move on with their lives, you know. So all of this, that was a bigger show. It was, and then also it was always Nugget. It was always some form of happy chicken, some kind of brainwashed 1960s scenario because it was, we were just looking, I think the idea was always to have a bigger, badder challenge and make it worse than Tweety Farm and the notion of industrial farming, industrial food production. The, that then you know, that presents a really difficult place to break into, you know. Like simply, simply, we needed a a very difficult physical set of challenges for them, you know. So we uh, was it sort of exaggerating that place and that notion of nuggets as being like this Bond villains kind of apoc apocalypse that they're visiting on chicken kind, you know, and the notion of Tweedy's revenge that being Tweedy's revenge. And then just how highly guarded the secret recipe for the world's first nugget would be, you know. So, so that, so yeah, that was really the, that's in, I guess that's to summarize, that is the development. And that was like 2015 through to probably 2019. So, you know, yeah, a long time. It's kind of, I mean, it's really impressive when you hear that story, but it also, I guess the writing when you're doing stop motion animation, that's where you do experiment and you explore these ideas and you wouldn't have got to the film we have today if you didn't sort of start where you started and then you went on all these different steps and you sort of talked it out and and, and got to where we are. Because I guess once you start animating, you're kind of locked in just because of the process and, and yes. the sheer time it takes. <laughs> well, absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, it's so meticulous. The production is so meticulous. And really what you get, you're all, it's all take one with very few heads and tails to the shot. So you're not gonna create the film in the ed in edit as you would, as you could do in a live action movie. You know, you've got live action, there's all of that coverage and you know, it's amazing how different a film can turn out in post-production, but in animation, and <laughs> it's too late. It's too late to be kind of thinking about like, well, what's this story, who's it about and all of this stuff. So yeah, it's absolutely true that the, you have to make all your mistakes earlier, you know, and in that writing and storyboarding process, to be honest, you know, like the between writing and storyboarding and creating a real and a temporary version of the film. And it's absolutely where you make your mistakes or where you just try stuff or where you kind of head in a direction and then you go, oh, no, actually, that's wrong. Let's go over here. And um, so in a way, it's all of your editorial is happening in development you know and, and development's a very long and blurry process development blurs into pre-production and so you're kind of doing your pre-production but you're still developing you know 
it's it's madness to start building these intricate sets or trying to animate scenes uh, without feeling deep down for sure that you are absolutely committed to what you're doing you know and that's that's the trick you know that is the trick of it yeah definitely let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars inspiration comes when we feel something new that's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. Just because you spend so long with the film and the story in <clears throat> either storyboard form or in script form, what's it like for you when you, you know, okay, but shooting has begun and you start to see these big 3D practical sets in the studio and they're being lit and, and you know, it's all sort of starting to look like how the finished film will eventually look. It's it's a real joy, it has to, it has to be said. I mean, it's just the greatest way to make animation, I think, and I've done the, the different mediums, but you are literally walking around inside your movie and it does look beautiful. And as you say, the lighting is happening as the set dressing is happening. And so the world is sort of growing around you literally you we have about 40 different units basically miniature film sets and a big art department a big puppet making department and you walk around this amazing place i mean from the outside it's just a very plain metal shed out by the m5 but when you walk in and you walk around it's like it's absolutely delightful i mean it's just a complete delight you know and so much still happens as it's being made you know there's so many all of the departments are always plussing and adding, you know, and so the, the art department are just thinking about, well, how do chickens live? What do they, what, you know, do they grow? What do they eat? How do they make power? How do they, you know, what do they do to relax? What are the houses like? And there's just so much thought that goes into it. And um, there's an element of child's play to it, you know, like it's kind of like when you were a kid and you were, making up stories with toys this is a little and there's no or very little time spent on computer screens so you're together and around standing around things and all the departments can see what each other are doing you know and actually a lot of the, the people tend to know each other's jobs pretty well because they spend all day watching what each other are doing and kind of helping each other get there together as a team so it's uh it's and it's fun you know like it's fun because like they've they've been together it's this is there's a core team at Arvin plus there's a rolling a rolling kind of stop motion family that moves between here and the US and Europe they sort of know each other, so there's a kind of humour and the kind of running jokes, and you know, so it's oh uh, yeah, so I can't, I, I just, I, I do, I love it. I guess yeah, because it's quite a specialist skill being able to, you know, make props at a certain scale, or you know, the clothing that is required for these characters, or even like really intricate details like the knitting needles and all of this sort of stuff. So I guess people do. It must be sort of quite a a, a close knit uh, industry there. Um, there, it, it always blows my mind actually, just like the. 
the what can be achieved you know in in model form and mm. and, and stuff and like seeing how how clothes are done for example like making clothes at that scale or yes. you know, perhaps his knitting is always a point of fascination for me in chicken <laughs> run films <laughs> well if you knit it turns out if you knit with really little needles and quite small scale wool you get small knitting <laughs> and i didn't know that i know there are people that can knit with tiny little needles and make tiny little woolen outfits. The thing that, why it makes it even more niche is that they, everything they make has to work as well as look good. It, it doesn't just look good. It has to move really well and it has to be incredibly hard wearing because it's going to be kind of manipulated for like thousands of times over 18 months shoe. And it's got to work in conjunction with, you know, sort of other elements that other people are making, you know. So, so yeah, it's really skilled. And what is interesting, I think, is that it's over 100 years old. You know, it's really not new. It's really kind of old. And so I know there's constantly, technology is constantly moving forward and, and, and amazingness and, and blowing our minds. But it's, it's, it is... I do think we should not forget the old technologies, you know, and the old ways of doing things. They're not necessarily uh, any more expensive or any slower. I mean, stop motion is very viable. It's not slower. It doesn't cost more. It It's, you know, there's enough people around that can do it. There's young, we have young people that want to do it. You know, we're still people knocking at the door saying, this is what I want to do with my life. And so it's very viable, actually, you know, like it's not an old sort of thing that we're trying to prop up. It's actually a very live, live medium. You know? I think it's it's kind of timeless, isn't it? Like it's, mm. um, you know, yeah, obviously camera stock might change and that sort yeah. of stuff. But the, yeah. the, the skills, you know, they, they could convince you of a rocket flying in the early 1900s and they'll convince you of a rocket flying in the early 2000s. You know, yeah. like you can yeah. use these techniques to create that reality. <laughs> really? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it has gone digital, certainly this century. Like Chicken Run was the last shot on film. Corpse Bride was the first then stop motion film that was shot digitally on digital cameras. And like over this century, there's because it's digital, it's basically like a digital film studio. So it's green screen, rig removal, compositing, mixing scales. So it's it's organically grown and ovens not stuck in the past you know they, they're always looking at bringing in new new technologies to help the stop motion live and breathe and you know really thrive it's a really interesting blend especially this movie because we were trying we found ourselves with this story having invented this gigantic building having decided that we're going to make these little chickens break into this gigantic building having said we were going to be creating chicken nuggets well turn, that turns out you need a lot of chickens to make a lot of nuggets so now we've got chicken crowds beyond you know the anything we've seen before so we needed digital some digital solutions if you like or some new tech solutions to to tell that story you know so it would probably use techniques from as you say, the early 1900s, right the way through to right now, you know, we've used every trick in the book, you know, we could, we, it's not all new, it's kind of that really, really interesting mixture of, of all, all sort of eras of special effects, actually. 
That really struck me with this new film, just because of the story, breaking into a high-tech facility, you know, you see things like lasers and there's moving conveyor belts and, and that sort of stuff. And then, and then, yeah, it blows your mind that most of this is actually done by hand, you know, to create this, you know, very sci-fi sort of leaning dynamic film as well. I, I, I did mm. think of Mission Impossible quite a lot when I was watching it. You yeah. Know, it's, it's an action film. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that. On one level, it's Chicken Impossible. It's, <laughs> it's a, I hope, a big, you know, entertaining kind of Saturday night action movie for all generations, you know, like sort of for all the, everyone can sit down and watch it together, you know, and, and there's something for everyone and... You know, I I think some as some of that recipe of the first one, you know, it has a little dark dramatic side to it that's compelling, but also it makes it, it's funny, you know. So uh, and there's sort of jokes and moments that there's a kid POV because we've got Molly, you know, like for me that's maybe the kid's way into this, and there's a parent POV with Rocky and Ginger and how they see things, you know, that has a slightly more adult perspective on the world, you know. Sure, we should uh, we should wrap up in in one second. But just uh, finally, as we're about to play this film in our cinemas, what was it like for you personally as the director to you know watch this film for the first time on the big screen with a with an actual audience, you know, who maybe didn't work on the film and and see how people were responding? <laughs> it was a really uh, a lovely. It was a lovely moment for me. You know, it was a real uh, confirmation that we I felt we'd got it right. The audience were really engaged. You know, they laughed at the right time. You know, they, they, it, it was it was it was fantastic to be honest. Yeah, it was fantastic. And you know, the I I I mean, I love and I really mean this. You know, I love Netflix. You know, and I love like the way that we're gonna now. You know, in one moment, next Friday, we will just reach up two hundred twenty million households. <laughs> in a moment, is something else. But yeah, it, personally, it was great to watch it with a with a with an audience together, communally. And to have the full sound, the full Dolby sound, and to see all of that detail on that bigger screen was was great. Yeah, it was great. And I really hope that all of your screenings at Picture House are going to sell out. You know, well worth it. And then you can watch it again and again. Exactly. I do think it's a film that rewards rewatching, and I'm excited to uh, to watch it over Christmas. I love that this yeah. film is coming out in December. It feels like a great family film uh, yeah. in, in that respect, and something that everyone can gather around, you know, and, and watch over the holidays. Uh, but yeah. thank you, Sam. It's uh, so yeah, I had such fun, a good Sam. time watching this film, and and I love the original, and and I'm glad we've got some more ginger and rocky action, uh, <laughs> you know, to go into the new year. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice one, Sam. Well, I really appreciate you, you know, helping us you know, tell everyone about the film. Absolutely. No, my pleasure. And um, look forward to seeing what's next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Have a great Christmas. Enjoy the holiday. Bye. Bye.